skeptical about custom beauty, honestly, y'all, I totally get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising, you know, to fix all of our beauty, hair, and skin problems. Truthfully, I was so skeptical when I saw this brand, but I'm a total believer now. When pros says custom, they actually mean it. Their products are no gimmicks, and your formula couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with unique blends of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. And they get personal. Pros covers everything from your concerns to diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. Did you know, for example, that Minneapolis has like weirdly hard water, which apparently was affecting my hair? So like some of the ingredients that they put into my hair care was to like deal with the fact that we have hard water. Wow. I love that. They also asked me things like, you know, because I have had a baby recently, like, am I still breastfeeding? What are my hair goals? And I also really appreciated they asked like, how much effort do you want to put into your hair? Yeah, <laughs> because like I'm at the point, you know, I used to let, yeah, I used to do those, you know, put effort into my appearance, but now it's like, I just want to be able to walk out of the door without feeling self-conscious. Um, I, this is truly such a genuine endorsement. So I've really enjoyed using these products. But don't just take our word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised control clinical trial, this is like the gold standard of all of these trials, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash justbreakup. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash justbreakup for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash justbreakup. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And today we're going to answer a letter from somebody whose lower sex drive is making her partner feel rejected. But mm -hmm. before we begin, we just want to give our Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed mental health practitioners, let alone licensed sex therapists. No, we are none of those things. Um, <laughs> I am a writer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And Sam works in nonprofits. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we're, we're English majors, you know. <clears throat> yeah. So and they're not like sex nonprofits, not... unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I can't make a sex writing joke because I was like, well, who knows? Who knows what I'm writing about? You know, honestly, I'd be into it if you ever wanted to. Like, you could write. I bet you could write really good fan fiction. Oh, I bet I could. Oh yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, we are not professionals. We are not. <laughs> trained in any of this. So uh, please take our advice as you see fit. We're just here to offer our ever humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love and sex. <laughs> <laughs> sex is so confusing. Oh my God. It is. Absolutely. It. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's get into it. So 
Our letter today comes from Anonymous Anonymous, whose pronouns are she, her, and who is writing from Sex Communication Station. Hi, Sam and Sierra. (laughs) Sorry, I have a (laughs) one-year-old. Yeah, I'm going to get in. I'm like, oh, the train. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying beep a lot more in my life right now than I thought I would at 37. Sure. (laughs) Beep, beep. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anonymous writes, hi, Sam and Sierra. First of all, I want to say that I honestly can't thank you enough for your words of wisdom over the years. It has brought me so much comfort in my days of confusion and anxiety to just listen to you talk through things with each other. My problem is sex related, but needs some additional context. I think I 25, she, her have been with my partner 26, she, they for about a year now. Our relationship started as pretty casual. She had recently gotten out of her relationship. We were wary of our own feelings with each other, etc. But we, of course, got to a point where we couldn't ignore our feelings anymore and became official. The first few months, we were having sex pretty frequently. Then the winter came and both of us were going through a lot of pretty challenging personal circumstances. I was back and forth between my hometown and our current city to take care of my mom, who eventually passed. My partner was struggling with a lot of depressive episodes and substance abuse. As a result of this, our emotional connection grew stronger, but our sex life dwindled. She is in a much better place right now, but I am definitely in a lower state, more depressed and anxious than normal. I'm in therapy for the trauma of the past few months, but I know it will be a long few years ahead of me to navigate this loss. As a result of this, my libido is currently lower than ever. Something I really relate to Sam saying on this podcast is that sex just isn't, doesn't feel like a huge priority for me. It's never been my primary motivator in a relationship. My partner definitely places it higher than I do, which is fine, of course, but I'm having trouble balance, finding a balance right now that feels healthy. About a month ago, we were out one night and she told me that she wanted to have sex later. And I affirmatively was like, okay, let's do it. We didn't end up getting home until like 3 a.m. I was tired and just not in the mood anymore. So I was like, I'm going to go to sleep. And she seemed visibly annoyed. So I was like, is that okay? And she just sort of looked at me and said, I mean, I'd like to be having sex more in this relationship in general. I apologized. She didn't say anything. And I went to sleep. But I really felt off for the next few days. I do want her to be satisfied. And I want to be having sex in theory. But these days, not as much in practice. I just have a lower sex drive than my already pretty low one. I think I could even push past this and I have and just have sex anyway, but I feel really stuck. I don't think it's good that the few times I have said no, I then feel really guilty afterwards for asserting that boundary because she'll get visibly upset or just annoyed. I feel like I'm in this loop where I'm not enough due to the lack of sex drive that I have right now and I want to satisfy her, but I also don't want to create an unhealthy or damaging relationship with sex for myself. How do I take it less personally when she does express those needs? After that initial moment, we had sex three times the following week, which feels like a substantial amount to me. But the following week, we had a similar moment where I didn't want to have sex and she got really frustrated, but didn't really want to talk about it. She said a bunch of confusing things like went from, quote, I'm the only one who ever initiates, which I might add is just not even true. And a few months ago, she even acknowledged that I'm the only person who initiates to, quote, neither of us initiate, but then didn't want to follow up about it. She seems stuck in this idea that we are never having sex, which is just factually not true. One thing she did mention here, though, that I am trying to be very attentive to is that she is insecure about her body and how our lack of sex or my lack of initiation makes her feel more conscious of it, less desired, etc. 
She often talks about how she feels guilty when she does initiate and is scared of fulfilling the quote, lesbian predator stereotype, which leaves me feeling really stuck about how to have this conversation with her. If I am honest with her that I've been feeling uncomfortable or that I'm having sex sometimes even when I don't want to, I don't know how we will repair from that. And I want her to be fulfilled and to be desired. But if I don't say anything at all, then I don't know how I will repair from that. All Mm. that to say, I am hopeful for some guidance from you two on how to have this conversation in a way that feels productive and healthy, particularly when both parties are prone to take things a little personally. Thank you for your time and wisdom. XOXO Anonymous. Oh, Anonymous, thank you so much for trusting us with this very important, very tender letter. I think Sam and I both feel really drawn to it and grateful for the opportunity to hopefully contribute to some productivity around this matter. Just out the gate, I want to say, you know, this is so tricky. It's so hard to navigate conversations about sex and desire and libido and to not take it personally because we've been told as a society about the certain value of sex, the worth of being desired, you know, that don't necessarily align with what actually happens behind closed doors or, you know, wherever you're, wherever you're having sex, (laughs) wherever it's fine with me. (laughs) Um, and, uh, and it's hard, especially in relationships that maybe out are out of the honeymoon stage or whatnot. Um, it can be really tricky, even with somebody that you love and feel safe with, to have a conversation about, um, you know, the quantity of sex, the quality, who's initiating, who has the opportunity to say no, and who is feeling rejected. Like, this is all really tender, sensitive um, Areas, So it, does, it makes sense to Sam and I why this is challenging. Mm. Um, there are obviously some things that we want to point out or highlight or help you navigate through. But just in general, I want to say like this is really tricky and this would be difficult for almost every single relationship that I know of, for you sure. know, because sex makes things tricky or can it, it can activate certain emotions and wounds and and whatnot especially yeah. because we societally don't have a shared understanding um, we have an assumed shared understanding of what sex looks like means yeah. Yeah. how much we should be having it when when really there's not you know we used to like we used to really push against the binary of sexuality right it, it's not just gay straight or bi it's it's all these other things but i'm like breaking away from everything <laughs> lately in my life. <laughs> it's not just like, oh, I'm I'm a little bit queer now or I'm or I want to have sex all the time or or whatever. It's it's it this is this whole universe of of sexuality, desire, fantasy, sure. um libido, you know, like it so much of it is subjective. So this is all to say we are going to dive into this, but first we have to take a very quick break. <laughs> For sure. It's going to be a lot of musings just as a warning. <laughs> Muse, muse, muse. <laughs> All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. 
You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. (laughs) Stop wasting money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. (laughs) We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right, everyone. Welcome back. Um, before we dig even... Before we dig in even further, Anonymous, I just want to pause and say that I am so sorry about the death of your mother. Um, And, you know, the, what I will say as as somebody who has lost a parent um, is that I know that I didn't understand what it was like to lose a parent until I did. And I know that there are lots of people out there in the world who don't understand what it's like to lose a parent because they haven't. Um... And so I want to say to you that like the, the fact that you are only months out from the death of your mother and the fact that you are looking at this and, and really sort of acknowledging 
the fact that this healing is going to take years to, to go through. Um, I just, uh, that touches my heart really deeply. Um, and, uh, I think to be in that place of, of trying to figure out how you're going to continue to function day to day with this entire, this entirely different world that you're living in, um, and added to the pressure that you're feeling around, um, quote unquote, fixing this element of your relationship, um, I know that I would feel overwhelmed by it um, and don't think that I could have handled uh, any sort of this level of conversation in the months after my dad died. And so like, just want to hold that for you um, in this moment. Cause I think uh, when we're grieving and when we're sort of processing through all of this stuff, we can kind of get into like just a, a swirl of, of doing thinking, feeling right. And sometimes it, sometimes we can forget to pause and, and hold the, the, how difficult all of this stuff that we're going through is. So I just wanted to pause and say like, this is hard. Um, that going through the death of a parent is, is challenging enough. Um, and that like, I know that you're taking it on yourself to fix this problem. And also it's okay if you don't have the capacity to do that right now. Right. Cause you are, you are full up on things to be worrying about holding. And, and I want you to be caring for yourself with as much tenderness as you are trying to care for your partner in this moment. Um, in terms of like what's happening in the dynamics of your relationship, um, I want to say that I find it deeply relatable <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, and I'll share something that my therapist shared with me when I was talking to him about like a very similar sort of dynamic in my relationship where, um, where, you know, the person we know who this is where Peter was feeling rejected because he wanted to have more <laughs> sex person. than I did. Yeah. Right. And I was like, trying not to name this. Uh, it's fine. I'll talk to Peter about this afterwards. Uh, right. And I was also feeling like pressured. Like I was feeling like I'm inadequate because I'm not having enough sex. Like what's wrong right. with me. Right. Peter was also feeling like what's wrong with me. Why doesn't Sam want to have as much sex with me as I want to have with them. Right. Like we were both in this dynamic and, and I was having this conversation with my therapist where we were like talking about it. Let me tell you, it took me like four years or whatever to be able to talk with my therapist about sex. And I was real awkward when it happened the first time. I was like, are you okay with this? Do you consent to me talking about this? Oh he was my like, gosh, cute. yes, you're fine. Um, and he was like, this is a common relationship dynamic between people with different libidos. Uh, it is not like, it's not that the two of you are so messed up that you can't figure out how to navigate this, but like yes. that these feelings that you're, that you two are feeling in this situation are deeply predictable. Like not in a way that like makes them boring or like, I'm not trying to say like, right. Oh my God, just get over it. I'm saying like, yes, absolutely. Like psychologically developmentally, like this is what we would predict you both to be responding with. Right. And mm. I, he said this to me and I was like, Oh my God. So I'm not, like so fucked You're not up. Broken. <laughs> yeah, Peter's right? not broken. Yeah, right. absolutely. It's just that like in this dynamic where one person wants to have sex more than the other person, these are the type of feelings, thoughts, patterns, narratives that tend to come up for people. And I was like, Oh, okay. So this is like a learned thing that I was taught, not just like something I totally fucked up. And he was like, no, like this is. And so like, I want to just say that like, 
if you seek out resources around this from like licensed and accredited sex therapists, uh, like this is probably, there's probably going to be a lot of resources out there to help you to figure out how to have a deeper conversation about the fact that like this mismatched libido doesn't necessarily mean anything about your love or desire for each other, but instead is about something, an incompatibility that you have to navigate in the same way that there are incompatibilities in how we understand what time means, right? Incompatibilities in what we think. How to load a dishwasher. Yes, absolutely. What we think a clean bathroom looks like, right? Like these are all places where we have to understand each other and figure out sort of what, how we're going to work together in a way that maybe isn't perfect for either of us, but is still like affirming of what our communal relationship is going to look like. Yo, this is changing like my brain as we speak, because I'm even looking back on the letter. Shout out to Drew, my therapist. What up, Drew? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am looking back on the letter and I'm seeing all these assumed or inherited responses, right? And by that, I mean, you know, the letter writer has inherited the idea that if you're not providing for your partner sexually, you're failing them. Do you know what I mean? That you're, that you are broken. If you don't want sex all the time, like that's what society has told us. And their partner is assuming that if they want sex a lot and if they get rejected, that that is somehow on the line of being predatory or, 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 or whatever, or, or that being rejected having your partner not want to have sex with you means you are inherently being rejected. Like that is an inherited thought response, not a, not an unreasonable one, but one that is formed out of these bigger ideas. (laughs) You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Profound. And I think it's also like, and some of that is helpful even in navigating the dynamics of, of your partner's disappointment too. Right. Where it's like, um, you know, like, I don't want to have sex, which is my prerogative. Like, that is my right. I get to decide whether or not I want to. And it absolutely has nothing to do with my partner and everything to do with the fact that I don't want to have sex, right? Like, and uh, her response is understandable, right? Because of the things that she's been taught, because of the narrative. And so it's not necessarily my responsibility to make my partner feel better about this thing, right? Like it's not me that's causing the problem. It's the the stories that are being told that's causing mm. the problem, right? Like my desire mm. to not want to have sex is not actually the cause of the harm here, right? The cause yeah. of the harm is the narratives that say, if you don't want to have sex with me, that means that I am ugly or whatever it might be. Right. And, and so like that was also a little liberating. It didn't make it easier. I mean, it did make it easier. It didn't mean that I didn't also still have like feelings of guilt around the fact that I like couldn't perform in the way that, that, or can't, right? Like this is an ongoing conversation, right? That can't perform in the way that like Peter would like to, but it did let me sort of like recognize the fact that like when he has a reaction to me not wanting to have sex, it is about me, but it is also about a hundred million other things that are leading to that reaction that I don't have any control over, like that aren't my job to fix. And in fact, like he is doing the things that he needs to do in order to sit in the stories that are happening there and find a different way out, right? Like he has committed to also being in this journey with me for us to unlearn some of this stuff and figure out what sex actually looks like in our relationship, just the two of us without like all the stories around what it should look like, how it should look like, how frequently it should be happening. Yeah. And I, that's the perfect thing to say. Thank you for sharing this, by the way. Thank you for being vulnerable and, and, 
and no, open about. We'll see if this episode ever airs. I do need to talk to Peter about it. <laughs> <laughs> but what I was going to say is, um, you know, the what I want to say to our letter writer and potentially their partner is like these sort of mismatched things exist in every relationship ever, right? We are, you can be completely satisfied by a loved one. You can be madly in love with them and still want for something, you know, wish that something was a little smoother than it was crunchy, right? Wish for something to happen more often, you know, like you can have incompatibilities in the amount you want to socialize in how much you talk to your family in how much TV you watch as partners. And this is just to say, this is just to normalize the idea that, um, this is just another sort of not incompatibility, but like Maybe you wish that you had sex less and your partner wish they that you have sex more. And that is not like a death sentence for a relationship to me. No. It is actually just like a really common occurrence. It's so Super common. common occurrence. It's like so, so common. Com- so common. <laughs> um, and I think that part of being in in partnership with someone else is learning what is like Sam said, his human right to say no and, and to not have sex, right? What is within your right to uphold? Like, what do you, what do you, what do you need to save for yourself? What do you need to defend for yourself? And what are you willing to work and grow and be uncomfortable on? You know, like where, where, what do you want to work on here? How much you have sex or do you want to work on how you talk about sex? Do you want to work on who initiates sex? I said earlier, like, I'm really interested in this accusation that your partner's the only one that initiates sex. um, And, and your, your definite, your definite refusal that that's not true. I would sort of, push your partner on that and say like, these are the times that I've initiated it, whatnot. Um, because maybe your partner doesn't feel like they're being given the opportunity to say no, because they always say yes. That's not the same thing as never someone never initiating, you know what For I mean? Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, little, little things like that. Like I started this episode out by saying just how tricky this all is. Um, I love Sam's reframing that this is tricky, but wildly normal and like developmentally mm-hmm. appropriate. <laughs> For sure, but that yeah. doesn't mean those responses are serving us, right? Like, like Sam said, you feeling responsible for your partner feeling rejected by you is not going to serve you in the long run because mm-hmm. that's when resentment is going to form. That's when we're going to start doing things that are outside of our personal boundaries or values. You know what I mean? So this is going to be tricky, but like Sam said, there are resources out there to help you guide these conversations. But step one, I would say is recognize that you're not just having a conversation about sex. Yeah. You're having a conversation about libido about feelings, <laughs> about how we value, how we each individually value physical connection, right? We're having conversation, you know, you're having conversations about communication styles, what is said and unsaid physically, you know, like nonverbal communication. For sure. There's so many things coming out here. So like, this is going to sound really silly, but I'd really encourage you to have these conversations about sex, not in bed, not when you're tired and not when one of you wants to have sex. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Because that's mm-hmm. when things un- uh, like have it on a full stomach. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you know, like this is this is a logistics conversation. This is an emotional, personal, and logistical conversation. For sure. Absolutely. Um, and I want you to, when you're talking about sex, also like talk about what your own experience of sex is, right? Because I think one of the most profound shifts that happened for me and Peter when we started talking about about like our incompatible sex drives was yeah. that like it took me saying to him over and over again, right? Like, it's not that I don't want to have sex with you. It's that I don't want to have sex, right? Like it is, it is something that I don't think about as much as you do. It is something that I don't crave as much as you do. And there's nothing wrong with that, but like, it is just not high on my priority list of things to do. And it like, and I, we had this conversation and, and like out of nowhere, he said, Oh, you just don't want to have sex as much as I do. And I was like, yeah. yes, <laughs> that is, that is exactly what I'm telling you. Right. But it yeah. took us like having this conversation about our own experiences of sex, what it means to us, what, right. And being open to the idea that our approaches to sex and our desires for sex, what sex means to us are going to be different because we're different people for us to be able to understand each other a little better. And I'm going to credit Angela Chen and her book ACE for helping me really identify more about my own sexuality, even though I don't identify as asexual, but understanding my own approach to sex, what it means to me, how it feels for me, because what I love about that book is that it offers, like Sierra said, we're, not, we're blowing up the binary, right? There's a universe of ways that we experience sex, think about sex, want sex. And, and being able to name some of those things for myself, I think helped Peter see them in a different way. And it was because of that book that I was able to find the language to do it. So I would also encourage you to read that book, maybe even ask your partner to read it too. And like have some conversations about like what you learned, what you experienced from it, because I do think it like, it really is a, a sort of mind opener when it comes to the idea that like, we are fed a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of stories about sex, what it should look like and how often we should be having it that are so incompatible with the actual realities of people's sexualities and sexual experiences. I want to pull out that word, but in a different context, you said incompatible with the world. Totally agree. (laughs) But (laughs) earlier you said you referred to you and Peter's um, opposing sexual sexualities, drives, whatnot as incompatible. And I wanted to take an opportunity to like, maybe let's brainstorm a different word because I think when people hear the word incompatible, they hear incompatible. (laughs) Yeah. Like, <laughs> they they well, hear yeah it's like they, an incompatibility that, that, for sure it's also not a core incompatibility right, for a relationship right, right? I, <laughs> I i just wanted to explore i wanted to muse 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 about the idea that <laughs> to be incompatible there's there's like core incompatibilities like i want a relationship and you don't <laughs> yeah yeah oh my god <laughs> it's a reference a to monday's letter <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, and then there are, you know, surface incompatibilities. I don't know what the fuck we're calling them, but you know, um, I like to have sex this many times a week. I like to have sex this many times a month. Um, (laughs) (laughs) a little bit more my style, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I'm with you. (laughs) Uh, but 
I wonder if just if if people get stuck up on language, like other words to use there are um, misaligned desires, you know, um, uh, un, uh, unmatching. <laughs> I don't know. Mismatched. I get stuck up on language. Mismatched so it, libido. Mis, mismatched libidos. Um, this is this is a hurdle. It's not a wall. Right. Mm-hmm. This is this is not a. um this is not the ending. This is the, this is a beginning. This is a beginning chapter of your relationship in which you start to explore what are the true, you know, intricacies of your partnership, of your desire for one another and your communication. Like this is, this is where the money's made to me in terms of vulnerability and connection between you and your partner, where you really start to see them as a whole and diverse and complicated human that is 100% 100% different than you and and you see where you line up and you see where you don't line up and where you can give and take and where you can meet each other in an unknown future. And I believe that for you, my darling letter writer, and I believe that for you and your partner and Sam and I hope this helps. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. We love you so much. All right, everyone, it is Friday and Friday is when we do our blind dates, which is when we try and set you up with something that we think you are really going to like. This week, our blind date is... So I'm kind of cheating, but Sam and I started a book club for ourselves and two of our other friends this summer, and I'm <coughs> doing the book that we read <laughs> because I actually genuinely, genuinely enjoyed it, but like don't have anything else to shout out this week. Um, sure. So I'm stealing it from Sam, or no, you can fine. say this is a co-authored blind date from the Love both it. of us. How about okay, that? Okay, great. Um, okay, so the book is called Legend Born by Tracy Dion. It's a YA series, and this is the first in the series. And I have to, I, I like felt a little vindicated reading some of the um, the reviews of the book after I read it. It is not a perfect book, but it is a great book. Yeah. Um, and. <laughs> And, you know, I, I often recommend books that I haven't finished on here. <laughs> finished this book, loved it and loved it even more at the end, like yeah. struggled through some of it because I there is a lot of complicated, not complicated. There's a lot of world building in this book. It's like I said, it's a YA novel. Um, it takes the King Arthur lore about like you know king arthur knights of the round table table excalibur and it places it in modern time with um the protagonist is a young black woman who is in high school and is going to like a you know what is it called like a early college program at yeah umc yeah. yeah and um she like all great YA fantasy novels, she is partially an orphan, which is like a trope of all fucking YA novels. Just kidding. She also but, um, apparently never has to do homework or like sleep. Never has to do homework. No. Okay. Let's stay on, stay on task. Um, okay. So there are uh, themes in this book about, um, you know, obviously like the King Arthur lore, but also about... Um, colonialism Mm -hmm. about sexism and racism there are Mm -hmm. underlying conversations about you know inclusion and elitism there is great plays with some diverse characters in here i'm not i'm trying to not give away too much if you read the summary it's you'll you'll figure out what this book is about but (laughs) i just want to say i fucking really loved it i immediately started reading the second book and it made me excited to be writing my novel like I everything that uh, that 
I had to work through in the in the first book paid off by the end of the book. So I'm like a super yeah. fan now. I'm a super fan now. So <laughs> Sierra did text me and she was like, <laughs> reading this book kind of feels like reading the instructions to a very complicated board game. And I was like, that is really true. Oh my God. <laughs> Listen, I should write book reviews because that is so spot on. It was just like a lot of working pieces in the yeah. world building of this Arthenian um, lore, but um, so paid off in it such a off. big way. 100%. Um, and yeah, I'm just a huge fan. I really hope I get to meet this author someday. Again, it's called Legend Born by Tracy Dion, and you should go read it like this weekend. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, remember, if you want more content from us or if you want ad-free episodes, you can support us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode as well as access to our episodes without ads. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at justbreakuppod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please remember to like, follow, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review. This literally keeps our mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Just Break Up is a production of Duvid Media, original music recording, editing, producing all magical things by our good friend, Spencer Worth Davis. Make sure to check out his music and his podcasts. And remember, you deserve to feel empowered by your relationship to sex in your sexuality you are in control of what those parameters are you get to say what feels good what sounds good what you consent to and know rest in the knowing that those parameters those desires those frequencies and those defining words are all up to you and are all unique to you and if all else fails just break up